0: All right. Welcome back to the Price Cloud Podcast. Uh, we're recording this February 2nd. I don't know when this is going to go up, but I am super excited to really honestly jump right into this one. One of our first episode guests, at least that I was on, is coming back, James Bacuzzi, Boca James, uh, very well known for his time in the industry at USP Labs and, of course, Blackstone Labs. Uh and has gone through a controversial last couple years. Um, if you're un- unaware, uh, we've talked a decent amount about the indictment with Blackstone Labs. Um, but I don't want to put too much of my commentary on this. I think a lot of what this episode is going to be about is telling the story of how we came to the indictment and the issue overall. So, uh, James, I'd love for you to simply um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little, bit, a little bit about your past and get into the story of, of uh, where you are and where you're going. Uh James
1: Bacuzzi, thank, thank you guys for having me on. Um, I have about almost 20 years of uh, industry experience, um, GNC, Vitamin Shop, um, USB Labs, obviously in, in their heyday, the real USB Labs, um, iForce, Blackstone Labs, and, and from there I went on and helped Redcon a little bit, uh, steel supplements. I did kind of my own little consulting thing. And, um, that led to Myoblocks, uh, black magic supply chemics. And, um, from there did a little consulting sales wise and a little bit of design work for some brands. So I remember now, Boca on the brand a couple of years ago. You, I remember, yeah. I remember that. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm excited to see you get back to that, but I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. So um, obviously that was before I, I did a lot of stuff. So everything from sales to helping marketing, helping design. So even up to launching a brand. So definitely tried to dive into a lot of different areas of the business and learn it. Yeah. I'm still I, learning. I,
0: I actually forgot. We we right before this all went down, we, we spent a lot of time with you. I I think like the last time we talked was really a lot about chemics and black magic. Yeah. Um it was, a, it was a hot time in retail. It was before kind of like the current craze of uh direct to consumer. Uh it was it was a hot time back when, when brick and mortar and specialty was, you know, what I would consider to be like the last hot period of it. You were really at the forefront of talking about these um brick and mortar stores and really working with them.
1: Yeah, well, I think um Something that I'm most proud of is when I met with uh, John Foster from Myoblox and, you know, he had this really cool brand that he was making and selling in his store. And a lot of people don't know this, but John would formulate his product. He would get all the ingredients, uh, all the flavors, things like the masking agents and everything. And he would mix up everything in his own little um Studio and then send it to the manufacturer. So this is a brand that the labels, uh, packaging, formulas, everything was like created in house really by hand. So it was really cool. And and when I checked it out, I was like, you know, th- this could be something that does well in retail. So we started to bring that brand out and um, the limited editions. And this was early 2018. And the, I think a lot of contract manufacturers were starting, you know, smaller brands, smaller runs for people. And they were also helping design. And I remember one of the manufacturers reached out to me and he said, every single person that sends them a design that they like uh, and that they wanna do something like w- was mile blocks. They were sending them mile blocks, mile blocks, mile blocks, And, you know, there was no limited editions products back in the day. And we had the Cryo Series, the Exo Series, um, Cinco de Mayo, and, and the Rainbow Haze. And the stores were picking up small stores, 144 units of that. And uh, it's funny, I, I really think that MayoBlock started the whole limited edition trend, which now you see it's, it's like a, everybody does a limited edition trend. And I think we were the ones that kind of pushed that out there and created some excitement in the industry, something new. And it's funny, I went into Supplement Warehouse the other day, and it's almost every brand has a really nice label now. Every brand has nice artwork. Really what I I wanted to do, because so many uh, more hardcore ingredients were going away, was find a way to separate myself in the retail stores. And by doing this with the the cool artwork, the cool branding, the limited editions and um, the unique formulas, it brought something cool to the retailers without actually, okay, this is edgy ingredients. It was a full package. And when I went into the store the other day and I saw it was like the full store was, uh, Black magic, Myoblox. There was Chemex, There was uh, Panda Supps. Uh, After Dark is that mm-hmm. uh, right? Uh, and so much more. And it was like the vision that I kind of had was now this is a whole store is is these cool products, with great labels, and the store looked awesome. And uh, you know, I still see Black Magic in almost every store post. To this day and you know that was i kind of feel that was my like almost gift to, to retailers in a way and uh, i'm happy the brand is still doing well even though i'm not i don't work with them anymore but to see retailers have something nice that they could do well with um it, it definitely makes me happy so because that was the whole point of doing this is to give retailers something unique and cool without getting into edgy ingredients.
2: hmm I can imagine, yeah, as that was going on, you had this kind of indictment hanging over your head. So clearly you're not going to be pushing any more uh, you know, any like even gray area ingredients to that point. I I, I gotta give you credit because you um have been with companies that have been ahead of the curve on this like hockey stick end of craziness, USP Labs, Blackstone Labs during the heat of it and during the tornado. And I want to hear about these tornadoes, but um but yeah, credit to you. Like, I I don't have a current argument against you saying that you were definitely involved in a lot of this limited edition collab type stuff before it was a thing. So like, I, I I'm not gonna argue at that point for sure. Like, like you're you've been ahead of a lot of stuff. So um, and you know obviously a lot of people here are gonna be wondering like, what in the hell happened at Blackstone Labs? Like, can you like. And maybe you want to start even earlier at USP Labs. I don't know, but like, can you tell us like how this like hockey stick tornado just happened? A lot of this is like public record. Can you just give us a story as, as much as you're willing to?
1: Of course. So I worked at Vitamin Shop. I was a manager at Vitamin Shop. And we had a rep come in from USP Labs. His name was Joe Simone. And we had a good relationship because I um, liked the brand, the USP Labs. We sold a lot at Vitamin Shop. And so after Vitamin Shop, I went on to work at Allstate. I was doing insurance sales. And Joe from USB Labs brought me on as a, a demo rep for USB Labs. And I liked it. And insurance sales I wasn't, you know, thrilled about. So I called him up one day and I was like, hey man, I like uh doing working with USB Labs. Could you give me a job full time? And he's like, give me a minute. And 20 minutes later, he called me back and he said, uh, we're going to make you a Northeast uh, Territory rep. And that was my first job working with a supplement company. So that job title... Around
2: what year was that?
1: Or maybe 2011, 2010, 2011,
2: maybe. Okay, so DMAA is still going, but the battles are like about to really kick in effect over there.
1: Right, yeah. It was just... I think as Jack was launching around, actually, I remember trying samples of Jack Three D. It was originally called Jacked, um, but they had to change the name because I think there was a a product called Jacked Up or something like that, a tes- testosterone product. But I remember uh, Joe coming in and mixing samples, and it mixed up like Diet Sprite. It was like a fizzy, carbonated, and it was called Jacked. So that was right when that product launches when I came on board and uh, I was the role I had, it was Northeast product educator. So I was at USB labs for maybe two or three years. And so I would drive around to the stores and we didn't sell anything because all the products went through distribution, Europa, Lone Star. So we were more like kind of customer service representatives almost where we'd go to stores talk to the employees get them hyped up or, about the brand do demos you know put BCAAs in cups protein in cups and um, just get people hyped up on the brand so we never really sold anything there was no sales that the uh, education team did and there was about 25 of us at one point and, you know, and when uh, USP Labs was really big, there's 25 outside product educators. And um, if I could think about it, I would say USP Labs was the most organized, structured company that I ever, supplement company that I ever worked for. Um, I remember going to the office in, in Dallas. I'm pretty sure it was in Dallas. And introduce us to the team. All right, here's our legal team, five people, in-house legal team. Here's our, um, you know, when the products come in, they were, you know, looked at and inspected and powder was taken out. I mean, it was the real deal. Like these guys uh, were very structured and the company was very organized. And a uh, funny story they were really big on compliance and what we could say and not say claims about products, things like that. So we would be educated on, you know, how we could explain a product, what, what we could say about it. And our little bonuses that we got were depended on how much knowledge we had on, compliancy and talking about the ingredients and what you could claim and what you can't. Uh, there was, I've never experienced that with another supplement brand where they were that strict. I mean, we, they would send us a book, how to write a proper email because they wanted their emails really professional. I mean, the the guys there were, they really ran a, a strict organized program. So a lot of people think oh, USP labs, you read about it all bad. It was by far the most organized, structured, disciplined company that I ever worked for supplement wise.
2: That's interesting to hear. I, I haven't heard that, but it, like having been like, you know, on the fray of that, like you could kind of tell that they weren't, they, yeah, they weren't schmucks. And a lot of the, the indictments in prison time, which you're not related to on that, you're not named on any of that stuff. As far as I know, um, that had nothing to do with Jack 3d. It was actually a version of oxy pro that had a liver toxic ingredient in it. And, um, and some of the issues stemming from that, uh, especially in Hawaii. And so like, it wasn't, it wasn't ultimately crazy enough. It wasn't Jack 3D that got them in the, the most trouble. I mean, it put them on the radar very, very obviously. Um, but it was like kind of the the response after that with, uh, the, the different formulations of Oxy Elite pro that really led to some serious trouble. So, um, just wanted to, to kind of note that cause, uh, you know, we'd obviously been following that for a while and it took, you know, another six or seven years before that, all that stuff got resolved. But, um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind hearing from Jacob at some point. I have no clue if you were ever in touch with him or if he's if he's out of prison or anything. I mean, I I don't know. He's uh, gone quiet. If he is back, so either way, um, yeah. I just wanted to, to to note that. So, what happened after USP Labs for you? Is that did you go straight to Blackstone after that?
1: Well, that's an interesting uh, point you just made, and I'm, you had a gentleman on your podcast not long ago where he talked about USP Labs in Hawaii and from what i understand what i heard is that those oxy elites were knockoff oxyelites that somebody else was making in
2: hawaii so that was that was a theory that we had because it was only in hawaii and there is yeah. like I, I don't i don't remember everything but there is a fruit or a plant that they eat a lot more of in hawaii that interacted horribly with whatever ingredient they tried to like put into the next version of oxy pro it's like when you lost the maa like everything just a lot of people reacted in crazy ways and stuff and so people are trying to find other ingredients and um didn't exactly work out but yeah that was what was weird is that it was in the issues were only in hawaii like so like why why is no one in new york getting hurt so to me yeah we we were suspicious of that as well
1: yeah, there was you know Jack Three D and Oxylite were so big. I think at one point that company was selling forty million dollars a month in those products. Um, so there was knockoffs everywhere. I mean, you still see them to this day. The same label in Russia and these places all over. So there's still knockoffs going around. And I remember that's what we talked about. I think when I was at, I think when I was at the company, it was around when that was happening. That. These were knockoff products that people were getting their hands on. And, you know, I'll kind of touch on how that is related to to my situation, you know, later on when I get into the Blackstone story, for sure. But, um, yeah, no, I I remember hearing about that. So that's why it was very weird. It was just
2: Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. that that brings us to like what 2012 2013 or so i think like a lot of the the action blackstone really kicked up in like 2015 so like where yeah what what happened after usb labs for you
1: so i left usb labs because i got offered a job at uh, iforce nutrition and i started with iforce as a northeast territory rep now this was actual sales where i was selling to people and they had a totally different business model and I was learning about it. It, it was cool, but I also, it, up in the Northeast, I used to always get sick a lot, like a lot of sinus stuff. So around the time that I started, I got terribly sick and I was like out of commission for a month. So I ended up not working for iForce. force I think maybe after a couple months. And I actually knew PJ Braun at the time because my first job at GNC was working for his mom that was my introduction into the supplement industry was working at GNC for PJ's mom. And then PJ became a manager at the Brookfield Connecticut vitamin shop location. And I worked there as well. So that's where I met PJ. We're both working at GNC. He was bodybuilding at the time, trying to become a professional. I mean, this is around 2004, 2005. Um, and we became buddies from there. And I wanted to do, do a bodybuilding show. He was a really good coach. He coached me for a show. And he, I knew he had started up Blackstone Labs at the time of iForce. And so I was like, "Hey, man, when you when you guys get big enough, um, you should hire me. Uh, that would be fun to work together." And so the day that the iForce job ended, I called PJ and I said, "Hey, I'm I'm, I'm not doing anything." And he said, uh, let me call you back with Aaron. So both of them called me back the same day that I was finished with Life Force. And he said, hey, we don't have any money to give you for a job as salary, but we'll give you 10% commission. Um, you could start selling the stuff and, you know, see how you do. And I was like, okay, might as well give it a try. But because I had no salary and I was just on commission my back was against the wall. I was like, I have to move this stuff in order to pay my bills. So I started going crazy ham right away with the same business model that I learned at iForce, the same sales technique uh, that I worked at iForce for direct sales, because everything was going through distribution before. And I'm like, oh, you could sell direct. Why don't I just sell direct to the stores? And so I started at Blackstone Labs, and I think the first month I maybe sold fifteen thousand in product. Second month, eighty. Third month, one hundred fifty, and all the way up to m- m- the most direct sales I ever did was six hundred thousand in a month. And nobody was really doing direct sales at this time. And now mm-hmm. all the
2: companies go direct with uh, their customers. And and so you made sixty thousand dollars in commissions in one month. One time. Uh,
1: in one month at Blackstone Labs, I think I made 55. It was wow. Fifty, 50 55, 000. Because once I moved to Florida, um my pay structure changed. I was on a salary. Mm-hmm. And so my they gave me a, a salary and, and a smaller percentage of commission. So actually my pay went down. I was making too much at 10% commission. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's, that's crazy. Okay. So, um, all right. When did things start to like spiral out of control? Like what just having, okay. Like it's all public records. So looking at the indictment, it just seems like things got hot and then they got, in my perspective, they got so hot that you almost like couldn't stop. It almost seems like it just like, where were you with, so what happened? Like, can you kind of like explain to me like those months where you're selling like $600,000 worth of product? Like what, what's going through your head there?
1: Well, you know, we could go back a little bit. I think we're now we're in, I think I started there officially April of 2014. And um, as sales picked up pretty quickly, Uh, Blackstone Labs started to hire people to do social media, athletes. The company started growing um, at a fast rate. We hired more salespeople. um, And 2015 was a big year. And I remember going to the Olympia in, uh, I think that was September of fifteen. And at that time, we had uh, launched Prime Nutrition, too. So I think we had Evan Senapani and, and John Meadows was an athlete. And I remember talking to Aaron at uh, the Olympia and we were getting ready to launch uh, the dynamic muscle Kai Green's brand. So he's like, Hey, you got to move down to Florida. I mean, we're, we're growing really quickly. So I didn't want somebody else to take a position that I could possibly get. So after a month after the Olympia, I packed up my stuff and I moved to Florida. So I think it through 2014, I think we had a product, Angel Dust, a pre-workout and that had Amp Citrate in it. And I remember, I think Blackstone Labs got a warning letter for that. And so we changed that and it became Dust V2. Now that the brand was becoming more popular, they didn't want to call it Angel Dust. Um, most people don't know. It, it was it was actually a great name because the younger people didn't know what Angel Dust was, but older guys did. So it'd be on the set shelf and they'd be like, oh, Angel Dust. Ha, ha ha. The old guys got it, but the young people didn't get it.
2: <laughs> Interesting.
1: But as the brand was growing, they changed it to Dust V2. Um, and then in 2015. I, I think that's when our sales really picked up. And the brand started becoming popular 2016 i moved to florida um, and started working out of the office and i think shortly after that was when aaron and pj had their divorce and then aaron started doing redcon and i think in february or march of 2017 i left blackstone quit on my own um, it was my own decision to leave the company but through that time, we had a, we cha- they changed products a lot. So they had a product that said, oh, you know, we can't sell this anymore. And they change a formula or make something new. So all this time, you know, trade is not okay anymore. They change it. These products, no, we can't sell these anymore. And I think to, to the end of uh, 14 was when that Dasca, the Designer um, Control Act, came out. And they eliminated four products and they still uh, continued to sell super DMC and um, alpha one max. And those products eventually faded away because all that, the new DHEAs that we got from high tech were, became incredibly popular. So the, when we had the more hardcore stuff, I didn't sell that much. Things really picked up for us when we made more fat-burning powder. Anogenin, and Laxogenin, and the EpiCat. Um, I mean, Blackstone had so many products. The protein. Once the brand was putting out more mainstream products is when my sales really picked up. So a lot of people think, oh, you sold a lot of the illegal stuff but that that wasn't the case a majority of my sales came when we had products that were uh, more mainstream so the hardcore actual ingredients didn't really help us sell more product it was the marketing behind it and that blackstone labs was a hardcore holy grail and it was one of the first brands to take advantage of uh, instagram and the social media marketing so I think that's what really helped Blackstone become a what it was was a social media marketing and not really ingredients because people wanted mainstream stuff. I so remember. The, sorry, good. You know, go ahead. Go I, ahead. Was
0: saying, I, I was going to say I remember that uh, I, your guys' posts on Instagrams. I mean, it was it was every single day. Here's a new athlete. Here's an athlete who's doing something. Uh, Blackstone dominated social media for sure, and, and that was kind of. Uh, post shreds i want to say it was kind of like in in the wake of shreds but you guys were picking up uh that relay race extremely well i mean you're taking what shreds couldn't do and kind of growing from it um i think a lot of people are gonna be surprised or not believe you on the compliant products being selling more but just based on like uh the hype but i also can remember a time when everyone was talking about glycolog uh, remember Brian did that with you guys. And there were a lot of products. I mean, I, I took a few Black Sun products back in the day when I didn't realize the stuff that was out there. But there was stuff that was just so hyped, you know, you couldn't get away from it. I think I have a que- uh, the question that I have is, uh, you know, I'm kind of reminded of like the Wolf of Wall Street, like there's obviously like a lot of really great deals that happened with Jordan Belfort. But the, the story that everyone remembers is kind of like the behind the scenes, like, was there a point where you guys kind of like did you guys ever discuss like what you guys were selling or like the, the legality behind it cuz in in the indictment there's a couple you know kind of incriminating emails that are covered or anything like that but did you guys ever sit down and talk about the fact that what you were doing might get you in trouble was that a conscious thing
1: well so when i started blackstone like i said i was only at no salary no nothing so i had just started learning about direct sales So I didn't have a big customer list. I didn't have anything. I started from zero customers and I was on Facebook looking up store names, on Google looking up store names, to where I had built 400 accounts. So my day from 9 in the morning till 2am, 3am, I was working with accounts and in the middle of the night I would talk to people in Russia and Germany and um, Australia So, I was doing sales literally from 9 a.m. till almost 2 3 in the morning. And those guys, Aaron and PJ, never even checked in on me. They didn't call me and said, Hey, are you doing sales today? Nothing. I would just work and send sales, work and send sales. I wasn't part of any management or any meetings or any discussions like that. Um, You remember, this is technically my third job or Two and a half jobs. I don't really count iForce a couple months there as a job. This is technically my second job doing sales in the supplement industry. I was never taught about compliance, this or that, um, you know, the laws, the Shay, what is a dietary supplement, what is not, you know, because as a sales guy, your job is to sell. And that's it. I had one job to go in, sell boom, send my information in. And that was it. And I became so busy that, I mean, that's all I was doing Monday through Sunday. And I never spoke, me and Aaron, PJ, never spoke about anything like that, uh, any compliance, this or that. I, my job was just sell, stay in my lane. That was it. And uh, that's, that's what I did for my entire time at Blackstone, I was I got so busy that when I came to Florida, they hired. I had a personal assistant because I was doing so many sales. I think like upwards to 300, 350 sales per month. So that's a lot of customers to talk to and listen to. You know their feedback, and you know this guy Joe Simone from USB Labs. He is actually the one that taught me how to be a good sales rep because he was really good at attuning to the customers and getting them on board. It wasn't like a a special sales skill. And and that's what a lot of people uh, don't know about me. I'm not an ingredient guy. That's why when we did Chemix, I partnered up with uh, Gorilla Chemist. I've only formulated two products and it was the, the Citizen energy product and the the fat lab uh energy product and those were years after blackstone and i worked with actually the legal team at leaf labs to do that because you know even to this day i still don't understand all the laws because that's not my jam my jam is kind of hyping up getting the stores products that they need uh marketing wise that will do well so Yes, I partnered with a lot of brands that had great marketing that drove customers to the store. So every brand I would bring them, it's not like they were selling some no-name brand that they had to introduce the customer to. They were selling popular products. And I always brought the stores popular products that sold themselves from the Instagram marketing. And that's why, hundred percent, why I was successful was from the Instagram marketing.
2: Cool. Okay, so on March um, was March eighth, twenty nineteen. That's when this indictment was entered into, at least into like pay or the system. So I'm guessing around that time, like, what happened? Were you were you arrested, or did like some feds knock on your door? Were you just served some papers? What exactly happened around that time when like when it began?
1: Well, we could go back to when the the government first got involved with Blackstone. And that's when they raided us. Right, so okay. I think that was maybe January or February of 17. Mm-hmm. I was in uh, the shipping office. And I remember they said, put your hands up, um, FDA. Or they said something. And guys came in with guns. PJ wasn't there. Aaron was already at Redcon. And um, there was just me... The vice president of the company, um, the customer service people, and, and shipping people—you know—it was—it was pretty traumatic for a lot of people. You know, because there were a lot of uh, girls there, young girls that worked in, in packaging. They were crying, you know, because people coming running in with guns at work, like um, they're coming into the cartel, busting the cartel. Uh, it was traumatic for a lot of people, and then they pulled me and the the vp of the company in a room and interviewed us and i was cooperative um you know i didn't expect this but um that was when it started and like i said aaron was across the street um the vp of sales wasn't there and um pj i guess he was coming to work coming to blackstone when this raid happened and um somebody texted him that we were being raided and he turned around and went home. He didn't even show up to, uh, Black Sun labs.
2: That must've been, yeah, that must've been crazy. I am reminded, we have to in the show notes, put in a, the link of the two lawyers who just say like, shut the F up, get a lawyer. Don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. Do you think anything you said or during that interview, during the, um, during that raid, like help the prosecution actually indict you?
1: Um, no, I don't think so. But uh, that interview came up in, in court and there were some parts left out. So this guy was interviewing, asking me all these questions and stuff that I didn't know anything about because I'm just a sales guy. And so I'm just you know, telling him you know, what I hear, word on the street because you know when Aaron and PJ split up the company became like less organized and you know we are hearing things through the grapevine and you know it's kind of questionable as to what was going on at Blackstone in terms of uh, things being uh, legit we heard okay there's that they tested a product and there wasn't the ingredients that uh, they said there were in it, and so me and the other one of the other sales reps were both getting a little feeling uncomfortable with Blackstone and and the direction that it's heading. Now that Aaron and PJ had split up and and it wasn't as organized, so they um, a gentleman interviewed me, an F, uh, FDA agent, and he asked me. This was a, a something that was brought up he asked me hey do you guys still make super dmc and i said no but we've made um you know a couple runs for a a special client or or a certain client but it's not something we we make and, and part of the staple line And he goes, okay. And then he took out a couple invoices and showed me. And I said, yeah, uh, that's it. I go, but that product isn't illegal. And this was left out of the interview. Um, And and this is 100% truth. I said, yeah, but that product isn't illegal. And he goes, what do you mean? And I was like, it's not on the list of like banned ingredients. You know, that like, remember that stuff you guys, you know, at the time, uh, uh, I couldn't even remember the name of the Daska law, I was like, it's on that law that you guys passed. That's not an illegal ingredient. And he's like, looks at the other person and he's like, they didn't even know what I was talking about, Daska. And I was like, if you get my phone, I I can show you. I'll I'll look it up and and show you that that's not illegal. Because when uh, Daska came out and there was ingredients listed, uh, PJ and Aaron removed four products. And there's videos, which I still have to this day, and emails where PJ and Aaron said, Hey, these two products are still good. You know, they're not banned. Um, and I'm thinking, well, if they ban, if they take other products, if they remove amp citrate, if they're removing products, then they're doing the right thing to make sure we're not selling um, illegal ingredients. So it's like, why would you remove? four products and not two well why wouldn't you just keep them all if we wanted to sell and keep selling illegal stuff right so they're changing stuff they're changing formulas i'm like yeah no they're doing you know what they need to do you know and pj would tell me yeah we're working with lawyers da da da. i'm like okay so all right cool we're gonna we're doing good we're improving we're still building sales but um in that interview i remember I said, yeah, but that product is not illegal. You know, it's on that law. And, and the agents looked at each other like they didn't even know what I was talking about. And I got my phone. And I was like, oh, yeah, see, it's it's not a, a legal ingredient. But in court, they said um, that when they asked me if DMZ was still being made, that I said no and lied and then left the rest of the interview out of it.
0: 100 percent truth. I do have to point out here, I think this is one thing that Rick Collins has covered pretty well in his discussions is that Daska isn't that great of an act because – it's kind of an extra law on top of what already exists. Like deshea says that D- Super DMZ would not be a dietary supplement in the first place. And then they came out and named specific things. I do believe there was an ambiguous section that said anything that acts like testosterone as well. I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember the specifics, but it did leave some ambiguity. But at the, be- at the end of the day, deshea would cover this as well. Deshea would say that this is not a dietary supplement. And that's likely what they were referring to because... Daska almost is irrelevant to them. They, they can act on this dep- just based on DeShea. I guess I, I would like to know from you, because some of the stuff in the, in the indictment res- referenced um, when you guys used to sell Austrian And like, uh, in no way was Austrian ever legal to sell as dietary supplement. It was a drug the whole time. Was that, I know that there, there seems to be uh, two different eras here of when there were things being sold and then when things had gotten cleaned up. Uh, when that was being sold, was there ever, did you guys ever discuss the fact that it was a drug or is it, you were just kind of just selling and you were out of those conversations?
1: Yeah, no, I was just, the whole sales team was selling and out of those conversations never were in it. And I think this is a part where people get confused because, you know, even now that I'm out of prison, people have reached out to me and they said, Hey, could you sell some of my products? DMHA, things like that. Oh, they're gray area. And I go, do you know what? Let me correct you on something. There is no gray area. It is either legal or illegal if you're putting it in a dietary supplement. Right. So I think the whole gray area thing that confuses people is for. And I remember thinking back when I was doing sales is something is either illegal or legal so cocaine is illegal black and white right but i think when you have an ingredient that's not illegal the ingredient but is illegal as used as a dietary supplement i think people don't understand the dashay law and when i speak to stores things like that back in the day um, they didn't understand it either because Uh, Nobody wants to, uh, for the most part, the people that I worked with and myself, I didn't want to sell illegal products. Um, I've never been in trouble in my life. I have no, um, never been arrested before the indictment, anything like that. I work hard and I could make an honest living. I had no desire to sell illegal products. And a lot of the people I worked with, they had no desire to sell legal products either, but they were very confused as to, okay, well, this is not illegal. So it must be legal. But when you put it in the dietary supplement and called dietary supplement, then it is illegal. So, and I think a lot of people are confused on dache and what actually constitutes a supplement or not and i think that's where the confusion is because most people you know your your mind in in simple terms something's legal or it's not illegal cocaine is illegal you can't you can't sell that okay you know but austrian yeah no that's illegal it's you look it up is austrian legal at the time there was nothing saying that it was illegal so I know this. a lot of people had good intentions. They don't want to get in trouble, but they don't want to sell legal things, but they're uh, just uneducated. As I was at the time, you know, like I said, at USP Labs, we have five lawyers on staff. Aaron would say, hey, we're, we're working with our legal team. Hey, we got legal team. We There's lawyers on staff. Um, you know, it sounds like the company's doing everything it can to protect the company, the employees and everything like that. So no, there was never any conversations as to what was legal or illegal. Um, I remember, I mean, if you walked into any supplement shop, they had Austrian. Um, there was other companies, a bunch of other companies that had Austrian. So the stores are selling it, putting it out there. There's other companies out there selling it. Um, it must be okay to sell. You know, if these guys got lawyers uh, and, you know, they're working with and making the product, then should be good. I'm, I'm not hearing anything. Um, but like I said, the sales team, we wake up, we do our sales, and, and then we check out. That's it. There was We were never part of any management talks or anything like that. There is one, I, I think this was used in court, email from me, in between me and Mark Lobliner where he says, oh, ASARM SARM is illegal. And he sent me like this thing as to why it was illegal. And I'm like, I don't really understand this. And I remember forwarding it to Aaron. But um, that was the only thing I've heard from outside, from one person, Mark Lobliner, that it was illegal and i remember at the time mark loebliner and did not get along with aaron and pj so i'm like this guy don't like him anyway i i don't even know what this to stuff is uh i forwarded the email to ear aaron and i just kept plugging away
2: interesting so i had to rewind a few things though like i know as as we all learn like Ignorance of the law doesn't like exempt you from it and everything. And I think for people getting into this industry, um, you need to be very aware of who you're working for and you can't just fully trust what someone says, you know, because you still might be breaking the law. Maybe you'll get a little bit of leniency or something, but it's still an issue. Um, The the law we're talking about called DASCA, Designer Anabolic Steroid Control Act of 2014. Um, That's what we're talking about. We'll have that in the show notes. And so yeah, at the end of it, there is, and this is the one I think that the the president signed, um, the absence of a product from a list referred to the subsection shall not constitute evidence that the product does not contain an anabolic uh, steroid. It's, I think you're kind of saying like the Attorney General may add other things to this list, so it's not like a definitive list. So, like, I, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give everyone else some lawyering right now, and be like, if I wouldn't argue law with the uh, with the police officers who are raiding you, I would just shut up and call a lawyer <laughs> because it's it's this stuff is confusing, obviously, and so and it's tough for everyone to understand to show you, and that's why it's important to work for a company who does understand it and have like legal counsel. Otherwise, yeah, you're. You're putting yourself at risk so that's just some of my my personal disclaimer and uh you know we've dug into these laws and there's a lot of stuff that is probably going to go to court you know with uh against the fda and so we still not everyone agrees on, on how, how all this stuff is uh how it all comes together so like a lot of it's to be determined so right. um yeah i'm not sure if you had anything to, to like add to that but like yeah not, I, well you know it's
1: when i started to learn about app after Blackstone, when I started uh, helping formulate and put together brands, and now I have you know a different role. I'm not just doing sales, I'm part of the actual creation of these brands and, and products and things like that. And I started learning about D'Shea. I thought, okay, Laxogenin is, is good. And then you see Laxogenin on the warning list. So it is confusing. And I think isn't there the M N M? Is that mm-hmm. so? Even it's like okay, yeah, that's a dietary supplement, but then they say it's not. So, I mean, there's not even an ingredients as to what is a dietary supplement or not. As laxogen is good, but no, not okay. What am I missing here? Uh, you know, what? it's like you really have to. Um, do your research and have a legal team and even then who knows if uh there's going to be an agreement that these ingredients are okay to use um, it does get confusing
2: mhm okay so to bring it back to my earlier question the day of the indictment how does it how does it go down for you personally <clears throat> you've been you had been interviewed maybe 2 years before that during a raid
1: yeah Well, after I I left Blackstone, I left Blackstone in, in, I think, March or April of 17 because the company, I didn't see it growing anymore. I saw it getting really disorganized and um, I I didn't see the company getting any better. Uh, PJ wasn't showing up for work. There was nobody really running the show. Uh, It became really frustrating, and I was making great money at Blackstone Labs. I was making my salary was one hundred and forty four thousand dollars a year, and four or five percent commission. And I was selling six to seven million dollars in product a year, so I was making great money at Blackstone Labs. And because I just wasn't a fan of what was going on in the organization of the company, not because I thought something was legal or illegal, that is why I left on my own. And so I went in and I started working for Redcon because me and uh, Aaron still had a good relationship. And when I started working for Redcon, two uh, FDA agents came to my house and gave me a target letter and they wanted to talk to me. And um, so I actually showed Aaron the target letter at work that day. And he spoke to um, Jared we at high Tech, and they said, hey, we're gonna help you out with a lawyer since you worked for Blackstone Labs. And when I spoke to the lawyer, I had no problem going and and talking to the government. Um, I didn't have anything to hide. I still had my uh, email, personal email that I did 99% of my work on. I said, hey, I can show them the emails of, you know, anything they they wanna look at. And my gut instinct was to cooperate. And my lawyer at the time told me, if you go and cooperate, you could say something that could be used against you. So don't cooperate. And I was like, okay. And so listening to lawyers advice, I mean, I've never been involved in anything like this, never been arrested, nothing like that. Um, The lawyer must know what's best. So I listened to the lawyer and I think almost two years went by and uh, I got a call from him. I think maybe a month before the indictment, a couple of weeks. And he said, um, yeah, I guess there's going to be an indictment coming, but I don't I don't think you're in it. So you should be fine. And then the day before the indictment, I got a call and said I need to turn myself uh, in. So I had to turn myself into uh, the U.S. Marshals. And I was in a little prison cell for a little while before I uh, bailed myself out.
2: So who who gave you that call that you're gonna to have to turn yourself in? Uh, my attorney. You? Oh, okay, gotcha. So you basically <clears throat> have 24 hours to get things in order. Like, what's that day before turning yourself in like?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I think they told me the yeah the day before, and I this is was I think the first or second month that we had launched um, Black Magic. So I'm at the computer doing sales, and I got the call, and I said okay, um, you know, you're going to have to bring $10,000 to bail yourself out. So I got a cashier's check, $10,000 and, uh, went back and kept plugging away on the computer, selling black magic products. Next day went and turned myself in, came back home and, and started selling black magic products. Like nothing happened. You know, that's, I was like a robot, you know, all these years, uh, uh, just, Sell, 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 and, and that's all I focused on. So, yeah, I just went in, uh, sat in the cell, gave them this check, got my fingerprints, and DNA. After that, went right back home and kept working on Black Magic because the brand had just launched and it was um, picking up some steam. So, I just wanted to keep working.
2: Okay, and then what? Um, yeah, so what what happened after that? Like, so you're back to, to doing some work, but eventually court cases are going to start up, right? Right. So
1: we're, you know, we're in uh, early 2019 now. And I guess, uh, you know, I was talking with the lawyer and I guess they had like 14 lawyers between all the Black Zone people and everything like that. And, I, and he said, um, yeah, we're going to, you know, go and, and fight this together. Uh, all the lawyers, there's a good case. You were just an employee there. You shouldn't be held accountable for anything. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I should be held accountable for anything. You know, my intentions were um, always good, and and I try to be honest uh, at all times. There, you know, I, I work hard um, to make an honest living, and if I'm going to do something illegal, I'm at least, hey, I. I I could be a decent criminal if I wanted to. I wouldn't be like, hey, I'm selling super DMZ. Everybody check me out. Oh, we're selling it on this website. If it, I mean, I could be a little bit better criminal than that and at least kind of hide it or try to. But no, this was, we were selling this stuff, the whole sales team, right out there in the open, right out to websites, retailers. Uh, none of the salespeople thought that we were doing anything wrong. So- you I understand your 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 point
0: with this because you were it, it was so uh conspicuous that it, it it seems ridiculous to think that you know you guys knew that you were selling something illegal I think that the super dmZ uh, point is 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 absolutely on on point here I guess my question is like some other things that they brought up uh like the impersonating of the Fda agent for the free sale uh and and like I don't think that a lot of consumers are going to understand what it's like to export supplements out of America. Anyone who's actually in the business knows how big of a pain that uh, that is in the ass. Was did some of these things just kind of start to like pile up? Or like like where did you get to the point where these kind of things started coming in? Were you aware about that?
1: Okay, this is a great story. And this is the facts because the actual story is twisted around to fit a narrative in somebody else's story. So I guess there was this customer who worked with the VP of sales, because the VP of sales did international. I didn't do international. And the VP of sales wasn't showing up. You know, it was just me. I would go in, we had a little office. It was me, my assistant, and uh, another sales rep, who at the time was uh, my girlfriend fiance, uh, Daniela. And we were just in our little office working. And um, so, I guess this customer was friends with the social media guy. So the social media guy came into my office and he said, Hey, could you help this customer? I know it's not yours and you don't get any credit. You don't make any money on it, but he needs some help. And me being the like I'm on every customer. I'm trying to make everybody happy. Um, good customer service, good sales guy that I am. I'm like, yeah, uh, I'll help them. I know I don't make anything, but you know, I'm uh, assertive and I'll do my best. So this customer reached out to me and he said, hey, I need some uh, paperwork uh, for exporting products. And I've never been trained on any type of this paperwork or anything like that. I don't even know what he's talking about. So he sends this um, email with a document And says, hey, you know, PJ used to do this for me in the past. It just needs to be uh, changed around a little bit. And I'm like, okay, so I just copy what he wrote. And I forward it to uh, the VP of the company. And the um, VP, I don't know what he did with graphics people or anything like that. Um, But I get this document back and... I didn't even open the document or look at it. And I just forward it to the guy because this isn't my customer. I'm just trying to help him out. You know, I have customers that I make money on that I have to help. So I forward the document back to this guy and then um, I open it up and I look at it. And I'm reading the document and it is the the graphics department, I didn't know anything about Photoshop or anything at the time, so I couldn't have done anything like that. I didn't even have it on my computer. Altered the document so it has my name on it and it's like under, it's like PhD or something like that. And I'm reading it and I'm like, yo, this is shady. This is sketchy. And I'm like, this is stupid. So I end up having a conversation with the customer And I'm like, hey, man, like, I don't know. This like seems really shady. Like maybe this is something Blackstone Labs did in the past, but we can't do stuff like that. Like this is putting us at risk. People could lose their jobs, go to jail, stuff like that. And I was being really dramatic because uh, I just really didn't even want to be involved in this. Um, uh, And my moral compass was kicking in. And I wasn't even going to benefit from doing this. So other than just trying to help a customer, I did, wasn't making a penny off of this. I had customers that did $250,000 orders. This was a $5,000 order with some sketchy paperwork. So that's when I'm like, ah, man, I was being really dramatic. I'm like, man, I'm impersonating an FDA agent. It's like, this is not good. And, um, I eventually had a, uh, called this customer and I said, please don't use that paperwork, destroy it. And that was it. The paper just had my name on it. I didn't alter the paper. I didn't sign the paper. And my moral compass kicked in and I'm like, Hey bro, like, you know, people could get in trouble. I get in trouble. This isn't worth it. Not even making any money on this. Please don't use this. And to to go further with the story, in court there were some customers that um, came in, and I'm like, "Well, why is this customer testifying?" They're like, "Oh, they had the paper with your name on it. Uh, that uh, the uh, was it a uh, what kind of certificate was it? Free trade, free trade, right? It was a free trade certificate that other customers had." And I'm like, well, how did these customers get it? And my attorney was like, there's no record of them getting this, but they had it. But no emails, no phone numbers, no, I didn't meet up with these customers. And what I think happened is, you know, when I left Blackstone, somebody else took over my email. And when customers asked for certificates, they were in my email and sent them out their certificate. But all these customers were going in and saying, hey, we, we had the certificate, but there was no record of how they got their certificate, which is really sketchy. Like there was no email with my name on it. Oh, how did they get it? I don't remember.
2: Wild. So during the court case, a lot of people were indicted. Did you have your own court case? Or was this like a, it was a group case? And then, okay, so you kind of alluded, there's a lot of lawyers, a lot of people are saying that they're going to stick together. Is that what happened? Or did people start turning on each other?
1: No, I guess uh, leading up to it, I mean, I would reach out to my lawyer periodically and, hey, is anything going on with this? Nothing. If I saw um, Aaron, he would say, no, we're going to beat this thing. We're going to win the case. So I'm like, okay, cool. And, you know, I I had things in my life that I was focusing on. So, uh, hey, these lawyers are doing their job. Um, Cool. So I guess Robert DiMaggio, I think he was one of the first people that pled guilty and and cooperated. And um, I think another person after that, and I think the VP of the company, and uh, eventually... Uh, Aaron pled guilty, and then PJ pled guilty, and then the lawyers came to me and they were like, hey, are you going to plead guilty? And I'm like, no. I was an employee. Like, I stand firm on my position. All you guys wanted us to work together, da-da-da, we got this. Now, a month out before the trial, you want me to plead guilty? No. And so I was the only one that did not plead guilty. It's.
0: It seems like you got the short end of a very long stick. Like I, 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 I don't know if you ever found any kind of resolve or kind of figured out why this happened. But it, it seems like everyone else was being fought for, and you didn't get fought for. I mean, know, my understanding, I, I think you were the second person to get out of your uh, sentence. But it, yeah. it, it it seems like you got and taken advantage of or kind of used as a scapegoat of some sort here uh, from. at at least from the
1: perspective of the story that you're telling well this is what i truly believe if you look at it aaron was indicted pj was indicted joey uh was indicted he ran the little manufacturer with aaron and pj um robert dimaggio was indicted he owned iron mag labs and uh owned part of blackstone um for a period of time and then there was the VP of the company of marketing and me. And outside was of- was
2: Anthony Ventrella? Yes. I don't know if I know of, okay.
1: And so outside of owners, only two employees of the company were indicted. And what I truly believe is the VP of the company, David, he did not cooperate when the government came to them. He was told not to cooperate. I was told not to cooperate. All the other people that were actually above me and had management responsibility, decision-making responsibility, ordered products, things like that were not indicted. They all cooperated. So the only two people outside of ownership that did not cooperate were indicted. And that was myself and David. And I truly believe that that's what led to my indictment was me not cooperating because the prosecutors would send my um, attorney email saying, James should really cooperate with us and stop protecting his friends. And I'd be like, I'm not protecting them. What am I going to say? They told us it was legal. I can't um, comment on what's in Aaron or PJ's head, what they know to be true. I could only comment on what they told us was legal or not okay to sell. And I still have those emails to this day. This is legal. We have 30 day grace period. Okay. This is, we're getting rid of it, but we have 30 days to sell it. I have all these emails and all this evidence till this day that was actually never presented in court. Um, but I truly believe the reason Myself and David were indicted was because we didn't cooperate. And we're the only two people that didn't cooperate. And other people above us um, that actually had their hand in some of this stuff were uh, unindicted co-conspirators, I called it. So they were part of the conspiracy, but not indicted.
2: So when you mentioned your lawyer, earlier on, you said, like, I'm not sure if a lawyer was provided for you or whatever. Like, did you pay for your own lawyer through this whole thing? Or, nope. and
1: It's paid for by Blackstone Labs.
2: Okay. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, of course, but it almost feels like you are not being represented by... You weren't being represented. You your lawyer was representing them more than you. It's kind of like human resources departments aren't there for the for the employees. They're there for the the corporation. I'm thinking like, what, do you wish you had just gotten your own legal counsel on your own on your own? Well, price?
1: when my uh, attorney spoke to me and started to say, "Hey, you know, Aaron," he called me up and he said, "Aaron." this was after Aaron put guilty. He said, Aaron wants you to plead guilty. You don't worry, you don't need to protect him anymore. And I'm like, huh? I'm like, I've never had a conversation with Aaron about protecting him. Um, this was never like an idea that I was protecting them because I wasn't even like, me and PJ were not on good terms at the time. Um, I had a falling out with PJ after I left Blackstone Labs. So I had every reason to say something to the government. I had every reason to, um, you know, throw PJ under the bus. But I wasn't going to lie. I did not know what PJ or Aaron knew or didn't know. So once I heard that, I I started to become pretty frustrated and As we're getting closer to trial, I asked my attorney, hey, and I still have these text messages saved, "Uh, are we gonna go over some of this discovery or anything like that and get ready? And he said, too late now, you had two years to go over this discovery and uh, it's too late, you lost your chance. And I'm like, bro, like what were you doing for two years? He said, you've been working on this. Um, I've been available. And now we're getting to trial, and it's too late. So I actually tried to fire my lawyer um, before trial, and the judge said, "Hey, you know, you didn't fire him, but you have to have another lawyer ready in two weeks for trial, which is impossible." And so I had to go to trial with this lawyer. And in my opinion, he was a good attorney. Um, during the trial, I mean, he he, he seemed to really know. His stuff, but he wasn't prepared with a defense for me because I had emails. I had people that uh, wanted to testify on my behalf. Other sales reps, uh, other people in the company that did not think I should have been involved in that indictment. And I I had seven or eight people and not one person was called as a witness. Um, I had emails, text messages, all things like that showing um, what Aaron and PJ were telling me to do and instructing me and the rest of the sales team. And none of that was in trial.
2: Man. I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I have opinions. I don't know. This isn't my place to insert opinions. It's pretty crazy though. Um, okay. So you go through trial. So like, look, just to reiterate, you never pled guilty then. Nope. Dude, that's okay. <laughs> like, that. regardless of any like potential mistakes that happened, that's just awesome. So, like, I don't know, man. I, kudos to that. That's 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 pretty wild. Um, but okay, I also so- couldn't.
1: I, I couldn't go there and say that Aaron and PJ knew what they were doing, or this person knew what they were doing. I mean, literally, my day was wake up, sell, and that's it, and that's all I did uh, from morning till night. Every year that I was there, every day at Blackstone. So to this day, I can't tell you what was in Aaron and PJ's head. Um, all I knew is that, hey, we have lawyers. We're removing products. We're changing products. Um, we must be doing the right thing. Can I ask, uh, I,
0: I know you've said this three times. I apologize for uh, continuing to go on this. I know you you, you showed up and sold. I understand you mentioned before uh, someone with Aaron having a manufacturing uh, – like manufacturing the products. Do you know yeah. anything about the manuf- – I, again, I understand that you were just selling. But like uh, post that or did you ever hear anything about the manufacturing of the products?
1: Well, I knew that um, Joey had a manufacturing place and it was like across the street uh, from Blackstone. Um, I didn't know exactly what products he made because I wasn't involved in ordering or anything like that. Um, but PJ's dad did all the ordering of products and inventory. And we'll put it this way, and this is the truth. That place was right across the street from Blackstone Labs. And that, during my time at Blackstone Labs, I never stepped foot in that building. I didn't even know where it was. Okay. I was, oh. I was linked to that in... Um, the, uh, the trial. So they had, there was like $800,000 or something of wire transfers that that company, the manufacturer sent to China. And the evidence that I was linked to those wire transfers was me saying to a customer, I think the product was euphoria. He asked if we had any samples and I was like, Oh man, we don't have any samples. I was like, Oh, it's a limited edition ingredient from China. And that email was the government's link to wire transfers going to China. Just me saying the word China in an email. Okay. Definitely no exactly. doubt that
0: those ingredients were coming from China. So, so Euphoria was a, was an yeah. interesting product. I actually don't. I will admit I used it a few times, but I don't have a lot of recollection of what was going on in it, but I'm sure. The- I mean, everything
1: it's comes from China, the- exactly, right? The exactly. scoopers, bottles, everything. So it's like, I just didn't know what to tell the customer at the time. I was like, uh, I've heard, okay, these are limited limited edition ingredient from China, but they showed 800000 know, on their screen, $800,000 of wire transfers from this manufacturer that I've never even stepped in the building or been to. to china and then their next slide was limited edition ingredient from china and that was my link to those wire transfers if nothing else this should serve
0: as a warning to employees of brands and speaking for this kind of stuff um you know, this is a different age. I do want to say one thing I I, I didn't get to say before, uh, like James, you are a hundred percent outside of all of this stuff. You are regarded as one of the greatest of all times in terms of sales reps for the industry. Uh, this is coming from uh, a time period where like your book of business really mattered. Like sales reps are not as relevant these days because direct to consumer is a huge push. And because people are mostly going to big retailers like GNC and vitamin shop. But I remember a time where your reputation was all that mattered, uh, and, and I mean you're revered for for what you did there. So, uh, your reputation when you went from brand to brand, I remember this was very very important because you want like like when you left Blackstone and you went elsewhere, it was important for you to represent your customers well. Um, but I think this this whole episode should serve as a warning to anyone who's still in sales and the kind of claims that you'll make for your your employer I think is very very important is showing up here that that can be uh on record for a lot of things that you may not think you're uh responsible for
1: yeah i mean these the government had my phone and my personal email, and I mean they will use everything to tell you some funny stories. I remember talking to a gorilla chemist once and um Gorilla chemist used to live with me when I moved to Florida. He needed a place to stay. So he was actually my roommate for maybe six, seven months. And he would write me out rent checks and what it was for. He would write funny stuff on the bottom. And so one rent check, he wrote hand jobs. And he told me that when the government was interviewing them, they took out that check and they were like, well, what is this? And he's like, <laughs> hand jobs. It's a joke. But they will look at everything, any conversation, anything you ever had. There was one um, email from a marketing guy. He he hit me up in Blackstone. He was like, um, "What uh, if you were to market against Super DMZ? Like, you want to bash it? What could you say?" And in the email, I wrote, "It makes your dick smaller," and that was used in trial. They said, "See, he knows the." Um, the consequences of DMZ when it was just a joke, but that was actually created into a story that I knew the harmful effects of DMZ that it will make your dick smaller.
2: So now you're an expert. That's uh, wow. <laughs> We're going to have to clip that, Ben. I, um, uh, the, that, that's just wild. So how long did this court case go on for? Were you, um, was this weeks? Was this days? Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Well,
1: Man. the first week, um, and yeah, I could get into some more stuff during the, the court case that is very eye Um, the first week they spoke about Blackstone labs and Aaron and PJ, but there was nothing about me. And so after the first week, it, it wasn't looking, uh, like a very good case for the prosecution, because my attorney said, hey, you guys have three million documents in this. You brought 500 documents to evidence, and there's only 20 documents with my name on it out of three million. So there wasn't even anything um, really with my name on it for the first week of trial. And I guess over the weekend, the prosecutors must have tried to put together more uh, evidence, they had gone into my email and found a resume that I sent to ProSups in 2012 or something like that. And, you know, in a resume, you kind of talk big about yourself and hey, I, I want to get a job. So in the resume, I wrote um, very experienced product knowledge on unique ingredients. And that was uh, used against me. See, he wrote in this uh, resume uh, 11 years ago, how he has uh, knowledge on uh, unique ingredients. How did he, how could he not know what he was selling? So there was really very little evidence um, with my name on it. There was no evidence that said, hey, yeah, I know this is illegal. Oh, yeah, but we're going to sell it anyway. There was not one piece of evidence that said that.
2: Okay, so, geez, so after two weeks – how how did the, um, I'm missing the word, you were stated to be guilty. Do they like hit the, ga- hit the gavel, hits the the mat and then you get put in cuffs and taken away or like how did yep. the, really? Okay. And so did they go one person by one or was this like, basically you were like the last one standing or? Another? No, I was the only
1: one in
0: trial. So,
2: oh. Because he was the only one okay, that so didn't so,
0: rat or plead guilty, right? Wow. Yep.
2: So this is two weeks of you just sitting at the table with a lawyer there. Yeah. And, and a lot of it, you're not even, okay. You're not even totally discussing in a lot of it until it gets into the, the things that you were, the 20 documents that you were in. Did on.
0: Aaron or PJ come to your trial?
1: Nope. Were they in jail already? No, uh, they didn't um, go to prison until their sentencing, which was in March. So, one of the eye opening things, um, not a lot of people know about this, and I guess this is a scary part for being a sales rep, is that I was charged with bodily injury too. And um, so, I guess I sold, I think, product Alpha 1 Max to a retailer, internet retailer in California, that then sold the product to um, a consumer. And the consumer took the product for two weeks, started to not feel, started to feel sick. Threw the product in the garbage, and then as weeks went on and months went on, became sicker and sicker. And I guess he had liver and kidney issues. But um, he said that, "Hey, I took this product for two weeks, and then I threw it in the garbage, and I had all these issues, and it was because of this product." And he was taking other products as well, but that would have been an extra five years onto my sentence. I beat that, um, charge, but the scary part is, and and I mean, in the end of the day, listen, I'm glad this person is okay. You know, I'm glad this person is all right. That's the most important part. But the scary part to me is this was all off this person's word that they took the product for two weeks and then they threw it in the garbage. So we didn't even have the product that he took um, to test what was in it. Was it adulter Was it the right product? Did he get a different product? Uh, I didn't see him take it. Did anybody see him take it? This is just his word that I took this product for two weeks, stopped, and I got worse and worse and worse and worse and ended up in the hospital. And um, I guess at one point his wife contacted Blackstone Labs and um, you know, the customer service forwarded the email to PJ and PJ said, This person is a scammer, don't talk to them. When it was really the guy's wife. And I never heard about this person. I never knew this person because obviously a sales rep doesn't get these type of emails. So I didn't even know who this person was or that this person was hurt or anything until Uh, leading up to trial, but I would have gotten five years for just making that sale to a store. I never saw the bottle. I never touched the bottle. Um, And it was just on his word that I took this product and it made me sick. And that would have been five years uh, added to my sentence. And that's the scary part. Um, and, And going back to the Hawaii thing, you know, is it is it these people just oh yeah I took Oxylite and then I got really sick oh okay you know it's just based on your word there's like how do you really know that this product and the ingredients are actually what led to your condition and nobody knows his lifestyle what else he was taking this or that so yeah I took this product for two weeks I got sick okay the guy's sales rep. Not even the owners of the company or the manufacturer, anything like that, the sales rep, you're responsible. This is hard. It's hard to discuss
0: this because typically for dietary supplement companies, I will recommend that brands uh, report adverse reactions immediately. Like uh, there's no shame in sharing to the FDA that we sold this protein and someone had a, had a stomach issue or something because with legal dietary supplements, you know, that's not an issue. Adverse reactions are, are, are supposed to be shared. The, the difference here is that there was a decision maker at the company. I understand you were just, I want to say, I understand you were just selling products. There was a decision maker that decided to start selling, uh, you know, toxic, Steroids or designer steroids, or however you're going to classify this, and at that point there is obviously an issue with uh, with like bodily injury. It's 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 difficult because with the with dietary supplements, you know, sharing an adverse reaction should be a normal thing so that we can all share the data and understand that there may be some population that has a reaction, um, and especially to your point with legal dietary supplements. there there, it's very hard to say like this hurt someone because there's obviously a lot of other uh things going on you know uh, years ago someone taking uh creatine or protein had a or sorry it was an alani new drink had a kidney issue but that person had a a pre-existing kidney issue and there's pre-existing conditions or maybe they didn't know about the conditions and so it's very difficult to like usually say one product had an effect on this person uh I, I don't think that you were the right person to receive the bodily injury uh, charge because you weren't deciding to put uh, steroids in capsules. But de- it, it's a very difficult situation to be in because the product really shouldn't have been sold to a consumer in the first place. But I, I definitely understand your frustration there.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I've had conversations with Aaron. I said, uh, I remember at Blackson Labs – um, you know, we didn't really work together much. You know, like I said, we we're in kind of our own little sales. thing. I would be like, "Hey, man, We're, we're doing really good. The company is is kicking butt. You know, make sure we're on top of everything. So, yeah, no, for sure. And sometimes I would go to him because uh, customers would say, hey, you guys should use this ingredient. And I would go to him and I'd say, hey, Aaron, uh, do you think we could use this ingredient uh, in a product? About- no, no, that's illegal. So they were changing, like I said before, they were changing so many products and things like that. That, okay, they're showing that they are making changes, that they are trying to comply with uh, the laws and with the government and with target letters and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, warning letters and everything like that. So, from what I'm seeing, these guys are doing the right thing. And, um, you know what? My personal opinion on it, is this was Aaron and PJ's first supplement company. I don't truly believe that they were trying to make illegal stuff. I just don't think they really took time to learn the laws at the time and understand the laws. Um, and I think that change after Blackstone, cause you saw, uh, What happened with Redcon. Redcon has grown to like an enormous uh, company compared to Blackstone when I was there. There's no comparison to the size and sales that Redcon has done to when I was at Blackstone. And that was all done with uh, legal products. So it's not like the hardcore ingredients You know, helped sell more because Aaron went and started Redcon and did more with that brand than Blackstone ever dreamed of at the time that I was there and with all legal stuff. So um, I just think that brand was like a learning experience for them. And in my opinion, if I could be honest, I just don't think they were careful enough.
2: Yeah, I mean you looking back, like some of the things we didn't mention were like there's was, it was this hype, it was just Lambos and Ferraris, and I think it, I'm not justifying anything, but like there is a, a, a point where you just get caught up in the in the insanity and like then you just look back behind you four years later an indictment drops or whatever, and there's just a they tornado of records behind you and I think I think a part of that is kind of what happened. Um real quickly, uh, was there an official adverse event report filed on that one person who got sick with the I don't years? think so. Yeah, okay. So they yeah, I mean, I could see many reasons why that probably should have definitely gotten thrown out in court especially for you um because there I mean, there are processes to do this and you know, we don't want to put blame on a person or his wife or whatever, but like yeah, had they there, yeah, and, and most of the times the customers don't really understand that our AER system is basically the same as like the pharmaceutical industries and everything, so it, it does exist for that purpose. Um, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, th- things have definitely been cleaned up in our industry more, and so hopefully, we have less of that kind of thing happening,
1: yeah, for so, sure. I, I think the, the upsetting part for me is that I've never felt the need to do anything illegal, one of the reasons why. I've been able to go from company to company and work with a lot of people. And yes, I've butted heads with people. You know, I'll, I'll be honest about that. But nobody can ever say that. James lied. James stole. He screwed people over. Nobody could say that. I've been honest um, and did tried to do the right thing with, with everybody I worked with from the start and I think that's why I can keep working with people because uh, yeah you could say yeah he was a pain in the butt but he did a good job and, in the end of the day, and he and I never screwed anybody over so if I had the choice of if I was at Blackstone and I was in the management and I was formulating if I had the to choice to figure out what was legal or illegal or in that position um I know that I would have done the right thing because I have uh, a strong moral compass. So I just wasn't in the position to make sure that things were right or wrong. So I felt like I was, you know, uh, being held accountable. And not when I was sentenced, I wasn't held accountable for the units I sold. I was held accountable and, and why my sentence was so long for every single thing that Blackstone Labs did wrong. So the total dollar of product, illegal product sold, I was held accountable for. I had points uh, that I was held accountable for, for mass marketing, I didn't do any marketing. So everything Blackstone Labs did wrong, I was held accountable for. And that frustrates me because had I been in the position to make sure that, and if it was my job to make sure that things were legal or things were compliant, I know I would have made sure that uh, things are compliant and legal, and I wouldn't have put myself in a position to get in trouble.
0: One of the frustrating parts, uh, just listening to your story, is like like you kind of mentioned this was PJ and Aaron's first company, and th- it's quite often that we see like people who are first time owners in this industry. They aren't compliance experts. They're not lawyers. You know, mm-hmm. they're not read up on dischea. And you know, I have feelings about people getting into an industry where you're selling things that are ingestible that can really hurt people, of course. But at the end of the day, an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily need to be a formulator. They, there's a lot of reasons someone may start a brand other than being an expert formulator and understander of the regulatory. And of, of course, I, th- I think you should be careful, but this is a this is a, a situation that is not uh, all that unique. There's a lot of companies out there who have just come to be right you look at uh, some of the other warning letters that have gone out over the last couple of years to people who were un, uh, unaware um, or probably more often people that see so many other companies doing it and they aren't getting hit like how many other people sold super dmc uh, you know I, th- there were plenty of other people selling austrine during the time that you guys uh, were th- there there are plenty of other places that weren't um you know, I don't want to out and say that, you know, the FDA was making an example out of you guys, but, you know, there were plenty of other people doing the same exact thing. So I don't know. I know it's your, it's your thought that, you know, it, it was kind of just a mistake and they, they didn't know, but you could definitely look at the industry at that time period and see a reason why someone may think that the things that they're doing is safe for them because so many people
1: otherwise are doing it and they did not get indicted for the same things. Right. I mean, look at you got there's manufacturers, there's manufacturers back in the day making this stuff for multiple companies. No prison time. Um, there's people that have been I mean, Iron Mag Labs made pro hormones and ostrin, they had that stuff out way before. Uh Robert DiMaggio did get, didn't get any prison time. And I even saw that, uh, his company had got a warning letter not too long ago for products. And, uh, you know, I just don't, I mean, I don't think it's very fair that the, a sales rep get the most time and people that have been actually manufacturing and buying this stuff and, and selling it for years, years, and made a lot more money than I did, uh, get no time at all so uh, mike are are we good to get into
0: the like the prison time are are you are you
2: (laughs) i I have have some very curious about that i didn't realize that i yeah iron mag is still going they did get something in 2022 here i had no clue um that dimaggio didn't see prison because i know yeah because there i know he was part of like some of the other sarms lawsuits that were going back and forth we we should get um we should get – there's there's another podcast we should do along those lines with the SARM. So subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Wow. Okay. So gavel hits the mat or whatever. You're guilty. Tell us J- – Tell us what happens next. Like, can you give us the, the prison rundown? Ben, you I had a specific
0: question, question uh, that might help us. Yep. I was just going to ask, because uh, there's. I think there's two parts of the prison talk that I, I, I want to make sure we, we bring for James. My One question is, like, during the time of prison, like, do you, Aaron and PJ, have any, can like, is there any post, you know, prison sentence uh, time where you guys kind of, like, talk it over or anything? And then I want to get into, like, your actual rehabilitation and the things that you did for yourself during prison as well.
1: Well, a couple of things to that. Yeah, I, I've bumped into actually when I uh, after I was sentenced. So this is around April. You know, I went in, in prison December 8th and then I was sentenced in late March. And I remember I was in the, a Miami um, prison in April. I actually bumped into a Joey Ventrella. We were on the same uh, same unit. So I was only there for like a couple of weeks and then I was transferred to Pensacola and me and um, Aaron, we were in the same prison together. He was actually two doors down. So I saw Aaron every single day um, until he was released. He was released before me. Um, But yeah, I saw him every single day. And since then I was out, um, you know, on house arrest uh for nine months and i would go have to check in at the halfway house and i i saw pj at the halfway house because he he had just gotten out released from prison and was there for a week and um what was cool is he actually apologized to me he he told me he's like i'm I'm really sorry you got caught up in this um you were just an employee that worked really hard you should have never been involved in this So so I'm really sorry. And to me, I was like, I appreciate that. I mean, you could have said something before. I mean, testify for me or uh, come on, man. But, um, you know, I at least appreciate him apologizing. Because, you know, a lot of people, they didn't really understand that I was just an employee at Blackstone. There was 10 other sales reps through that time. Not one other sales rep got indicted um so yeah i, I don't feel like it, it was very fair um but yeah i did see aaron um i was with him for months at um pensacola and then i saw pj after and um pj did apologize to me and this wasn't long ago maybe six months ago
0: did your like communication with them through those times is that kind of what brought you to think that it really was just a mistake that they had made like uh, just kind of like did, did you guys really talk about it very much i
1: imagine you probably tried to move on Um, I guess because like I would go to Aaron and say, Hey, could we use this? And you'd say, no. Um, and I know that with me, uh, I actually had a really good time, you know, the first few years working with Aaron PJ and, um, especially Aaron, uh, we got along really well. He was a hustler. I was a hustler. Um, And they were really good at, you know, encouraging their employees and hyping them up. And uh, I would say one thing that I liked about Blackstone is, and especially working with Aaron, he really would back you up and boost your self-esteem. And, you know, you could do it. He's always that guy that um, it's not going to get in his feelings, he'll tell you just come on, you got to get up, keep moving forward. And um, I had a really good time working with them for those first, before they broke up those first few years. And they did a lot of things that seemed like they were looking out for me. So I don't think the intention was for them to put me in a bad position. Um, I just think things were growing so fast and they were just a little careless. Um, that's how I saw it. I, Like I said, to this day, I can't tell you what was in their head, what they really know or what they didn't know. But um, I know that, uh, you know, from my experiences with Aaron, at times he hasn't given me the best advice. But I know his advice has come from a, a place of good intentions. And I, I could honestly say that
2: cool so i i didn't realize that you were, you were you saw aaron in prison all the time what can you what was it like man like i'm guessing most people um listening to this myself included have heaven served like real deal prison time can you got like got anything well it he was like point?
1: the, the singerman was like famous in prison so when i got to pensacola and uh I, I knew he was there. So I bumped into him and saw him and we were in, he had just gotten into RDAP. So we were in different buildings. And I remember my like first night at, at Pensacola, the guys from the kitchen come up to me with like a salad with fruit and like all this stuff from the kitchen. They're like, yo, this is from Aaron. I'm like, dude, is this like Godfather stuff? Like, or, uh, Goodfellas, like, you know, like cutting like the garlic and stuff. Yo, I'm, I'm, salad, fruit. I'm like, yo, this is great. Aaron's like famous in here. So it it was funny. Like it was like Goodfellas or something. And, uh, people bringing me food and stuff. Oh yes. This is from Aaron. Okay, cool. But, uh, yeah, I eventually got into RDAP and, um, it it was just interesting. I mean, prison for me was, uh, a relief to be honest. Uh, the first part was w- when I was going through all the, pr- the prisons and the jails, you know, I went through 14 different places before I got to my destination over a six month time. And uh, they even, at one point I was in a, like the mental institution of the jail. And uh, I was only supposed to be in there for a day and then cleared to go into um, like the uh, general population. And somebody must have forgot about me or paperwork. They left me in the mental institution for two months, 60 days. I was in a, a room with two doors, no windows. The lights on were on day and night. So you didn't know what time it was, what day it was. Is it two in the morning? Is it three in the afternoon? You just completely lose track of time. I didn't see sunlight for 60 days in this mental room with guys. I had real issues, schizophrenia, things like that. Uh, people be pulling off my blankets at night, tapping my head through the blankets. James, you got to wake up, man. I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you, bro. I got to talk to you. Uh, fighting and stuff crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. 60 days in, in this mental institution. And the, the guard would come in, uh, the officer, uh, you know, once every however many hours. And i say, Bro, am I supposed are you am I going to get out of this place? He's like, Yeah, I don't handle any of that. Uh, you should have been out of here a long time ago. But yeah, 60 days, no light with the lights on, I totally lost track of time. But um, I was like, man, if I could get through this, then when I get to camp, it'll be a lot easier. So once I got to camp, and you know, like I said, prison was a relief because my life was so hectic before leading up to prison um you know i was dealing with some uh, personal relationship issues and things like that which were really hard um and trying to to come back um in the sales and and working with companies that you know things didn't work out with mile or black magic chemics uh things i really poured my heart into that ended up not working out and you know personal at home issues and then the case it was just any one of those things would take its toll on a person. And I had all three at once, all four at once. And um, it was just a lot. So once I got to prison and your responsibilities go away, right? All you got to do is wake up and eat and read and and chill out. It was was like a vacation for me. It was the feeling of relief. You know, I read a lot and, um, you know, just kind of relaxed a little bit. But the time went by really quick. Uh, I was only in in prison for 15 months, but it was definitely a feeling of relief. I mean, yes, it is stressful. It is prison. But um, it's funny, you know, people, you know, the guys on the inside, once you get in there, they have cell phones and stuff. So they hit up people on the outside and they find out all the information about you. So people on the, the inside talked to the people on the outside, found out information about me, and they knew I wasn't a rat. And a lot of people in prison are snitches. So because they found out that I wasn't a snitch or a rat, I was in prison 15 months. Not one person messed with me. I was treated great in prison. And I told somebody this the other day. In prison, I was treated better than most supplement company owners treat me. And that is a fact. I was treated better in prison than I am by most supplement company owners.
2: Fact. Wow. Hey, some bookkeeping real quick. You've mentioned RDAP a couple of times. I quickly Googled it residential drug abuse program or something else.
1: Yep, that's what it is. It takes, if you complete uh, the course, uh, which is nine months, it takes a year off your sentence.
2: Gotcha. Wow. Yeah, this is something okay. I'd
1: like
0: to bring up because you're talking wow. about like, uh, well, pretty, pretty much everyone in this case has gotten out a little bit early. Does that a lot have to do with RDAP? Because uh, a lot of people had questions about why people were getting out so early as compared to how long their sentences were supposed to be.
1: Yeah, so, you know, there's the First Step Act. There's RDAP. Um, there's a lot of things in place for um, people that are low-level offenders. Um So there's care. I got out on the the care. I had the RDAP year and then I got out on a CARES Act, which was, um, you know, if you had a health condition because of COVID, they don't want crowded prisons and people getting COVID and dying, that you could finish your sentence from home if you were 50 percent done with your sentence or 18 months to the door. So once I was 18 months to the door, I got to go home and I, I finished my sentence on house arrest. So I had the ankle monitor on and did any of the people all that stuff like uh, that you mentioned that you
0: were the only person who didn't cooperate or plead guilty did any of the people who did plead guilty I don't know this is a good question asked uh, but were they not treated as well as you were like like th- that difference between uh like I don't know I don't know if, if cooperating is considered being a rat
1: but was that a difference for other people um well I just think in the prison system it is uh, I don't think you're You know, at least where I was, you were treated differently, but people respected you differently, for sure. They'd be like, man, you're ratting buddy out. You're like one of the realest bros in here. (laughs) So like, no matter uh, who you're with, they they had respect for you because, you know, and a lot of people knew my story too. that. Hey, I'm not going to it goes against my moral uh, code to to lie and uh, for my own benefit. And there was no way I was going to, I, I told everybody, I'm not going to lie and say that PJ and Aaron knew what they were doing um, just to help myself. I'm not going to uh, do that. That uh, um, goes against uh, my moral code. Who were you
0: in there? Like, were you with violent offenders or uh, was the nature of your sentence like did that Put you with more like white collar criminals?
1: Uh, well, once you got to the camp, yeah, you were with more white collar uh, criminals and, and drug dealers or people that um, were at a higher level and worked their way down, behaved, didn't get in trouble and finishing out their sentence at a at a camp. But um, through the, the jails and stuff, yeah, I mean, there was definitely more violent people and things like that.
2: Did you so did you make some friends in there like? or did you just keep to yourself? Like how, how talkative were you? Uh,
1: well, I had fun in prison. Once I got to federal prison, the, the camp, I mean, I was joking around every day, you know, cause it's like, it, it's weird. You're like in prison, you're infantilized. Uh, really? So like the little kid in you comes out a little bit like, Hey, we're playing softball today. Okay. I haven't played softball in like 10 years, 15 years. All right. So, Like almost like the, and you're brought your food and here you go, like, like a little baby. So it's a weird feeling. Like you kind of revert back to being like a little kid. And uh, so I would joke around a lot. I had like a a good vibe uh, through prison, but in in that federal prison camp, because there is a handful of people that aren't real criminals, in my opinion, um, and that don't deserve to be in a prison You know, you could, I think they could get fines or something like that. Yeah. I met a handful of really awesome people. A couple of people were like the best people I've ever met in my entire life. So, I mean, uh, some people get caught up in a mix or something like I did. Uh, So, yeah, no, there's some, there's some good people in that kind of camp area. So I did make some pretty cool friends. Um, And come across some good people, a lot of like first time offenders or uh, even like, what is there, um, malpractice or something like that, Mm. where, you know, it's not really a crazy crime. So it's like you lock these people up like they can't be in society, but they're pretty normal people that just made a mistake.
2: Gotcha. And how about the uh, gym facilities? Were you working out? You're still looking pretty wide and everything, so...
1: Uh, we had a gym at um, the uh, Pensacola camp, and they had real weights, uh, bench press, uh, leg press, Smith machine. So I worked out a little bit, but for the most time there, I tried to relax, and, and I read a lot. I read a lot of different books and just really tried to relax. And then once I got out, I, I started working out again. Mm-hmm.
2: That was uh, going to be my next question. Any any books that hit you pretty good th- in there that you'd recommend to PricewaterNation?
1: Uh well I read a lot of like psychology books. So they had a huge uh, psychology library and I mean hundreds of books and I would read like a book every couple days um anything on behavior relationships because uh, in the future um life coaching and relationship coaching is something I want to do and I want I have a really cool business idea uh, for that. So it's something I was working on uh before prison and it's definitely something that i was able to work on in prison too and i've always enjoyed psychology and understanding um people and behavior and i think that was one of the reasons why i was so successful as a sales rep was because i could attune to people really well every customer i could attune to and i could find a way to to listen to them and, and try to give them what they wanted. Um, but, and you know, and that and that's the hard thing in this industry. Um, it This is a pretty tough industry. And you know, with the fitness and the way people look, it's very deceiving because you have a lot of people that put on this facade, that they are really confident business people, bodybuilders, And really inside, they're very insecure people. So I've always had my problems with insecure people. That's the people I butted heads with the most. And in this industry, you have these insecure people that get offended easily, that don't trust others. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of these people are very selfish and self-centered And what can I get out of you attitude and not what could I do for you? They value money over people. And I don't do that. I don't value money over people. And so I've always been good at attuning to my customers and listening and hearing them and um, being able to work well with them. So, And I think that's the hard part about this industry that people don't understand. You have a lot of these very strong ego people and that's just a cover up for their insecurities and when those insecurities are triggered they lash out at others and and try to hurt others and they're just trying to take 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 from others i can't tell you companies i worked for as a sales rep where the expectations for me were so high and you know the there's nothing i could do to make these people happy and they just weren't interested in investing in people they were just interested at what they could take from me and uh, that's what makes the industry hard for sure
2: mm-hmm. do you want to tell me like what what exact years were you in prison from or what months do you have the exact uh december
1: 8th of 2021 to i think march Maybe March eighteenth, two thousand twenty-three. I was released from Pensacola, and then I was on uh, house arrest from that time until November twentieth. So gotcha. no, November twentieth is was my official release. I could go where I want to go, do what I want
2: to do. So you're not wearing an ankle monitor or anything like that now. No, nope. but you are on probation, I assume. Checking yes. in with and can you leave the state of Florida or are you? Yes. Okay, yeah, with permission and things like that.
1: Yeah, with permission. So we're gonna see you, with Arnold. Okay,
2: gotcha
0: are, are <laughs> we going to see you with
1: arnold uh, maybe <laughs> i, I do you do know what? i haven't seen my family like i have grandparents that are like 90 years old and stuff like that That because of all this stuff i haven't been able to see them in in five years so um my priority right now is is work um getting some work going some income and uh, spending some time with my family that i haven't seen uh in that years. was the right
0: answer for sure that, that, that's great mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to say uh, you you being in president never sat well with me. Uh, I, when you went in there, I could definitely attest you've always been a person who like openly talked about trauma and uh, equality of people and, and I never thought that you really meant to hurt anyone but it's awesome to see you out and doing well. Um, do you have any plans in terms of next steps that you could share with what you know what you're
1: up to and what you're doing? So uh, I've been talking to Greg at Fresh sups. Uh, he's got a new company. They won the rookie of the year. Um, he definitely needs some sales help. Uh, so I'm thinking about working with him. Uh, he's got a great brand. Uh, and that's the great thing about the supplement industry, that there's always a demand for these products. There's always a demand to look better and feel better. So there's always opportunities, always new brands coming out. Um Definitely. I have been away for a little while. So, uh, people kind of forgot about me, you know, and so I need to come back and, you know, make my footprint in the industry again. And, you know, I'm just, I would like to start slow and build up. And if I'm going to top what I did before, you know, bring in limited editions and cool things out. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff out now. If I'm going to have the next thing or uh, it's going to take some, uh, work and some thinking to, to create it, to find something new, a new niche, something cool, because people have stepped it up since I've been gone.
2: Hmm. Absolutely. Always. Yeah, I, I did ask uh, what when you were actually in prison, because you were kind of in a way almost like talking bad about a few people in the industry or whatever, but like from my perspective... And I was like between 2020 and 2022, 2023, I think there's been no better industry to be in. Um, seeing my friends deal with so many shenanigans in corporate America and so much nonsense. And dude, like, I don't know. I love this industry. We It's it just solidified it for me. Like this is, this is the place to be in my opinion. So like, welcome back to you. I know that Ben's got to get going pretty soon. I think, um, I, 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 yes, I, I want to welcome you back and everything, and I, I thank Appreciate you for it. sharing your story here, man. It's, it's. Uh, I know it probably wasn't easy to share, and it sounds like, um, it sounds like you're a better person for it. Like at this point, coming on out and everything. So, like, I, I don't know if congratulations is the right word, but like, good job for like doing the right thing as far as you're concerned. And I don't know what we're gonna what we're gonna title this episode, but like. James Bacuzzi is not a rat is possibly one such title. Um, yeah. But we, I, so like, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you for for sure. And I, I do think that we will see you at the Arnold because um, hopefully you get some some business cooking up and people are going to want to see you and everything. So especially after hearing this. Ben, do you have anything else to close up with? Or no, anything? I just
0: want to send a really heartfelt thank you, James. Uh, hopping on this is definitely not easy. And uh, I honestly didn't expect you to do it just uh, based on probably your lawyers, to be completely fair about it. But yeah. Um, this has been really great. I, I really do hope to see you do some incredible things. Uh, you know, I think that uh, Greg is an awesome dude, and I, it would be great to see you there. But I'm sure that there are plenty of companies that would be really happy to welcome your book of business. Uh, I, I, we are not as tied in with brick and mortar anymore, um, but I've always heard brands, uh, sorry, uh, stores, sing high praise of what a quality person you are and what a great sales rep you are. So, uh, best of luck. I, I, if the, if we can help at all, I. I, I love to lend a hand in any way
2: yeah i'm kind of like you just yes interrupt like you've been ahead of the curve on so many things when i see like trends from people like this there's a pattern that you've been ahead of the curve with the collab thing everyone who was in on usp labs like we saw a lot of that going on and everything you've been ahead of the curve and so um i don't think that was just like a fluke you've done it enough times and been on enough hot things that I think you will you will see the next ahead of the curve type trend is if you stay in the industry and don't go into personal coaching or relationships or anything like that and stick with us here. So I'm I'm confident in you, man.
1: And no, I I mean this is huge for me to do this because you know when when things happen with the indictment and everything like that, I never got to talk and defend myself or tell my story in court. Uh, I didn't take the stand. I, I was wasn't able to bring out any evidence. I was told that I cannot talk. And so this is my first time telling the story a little bit, just a part of the story to you guys. So it means a lot because, you know, you, you could Google my name and you see the articles and you see the things that uh, were twisted um, to, to sound a certain way. And I never got to say, hey, wait a minute. That, I was there, that's not what happened. Um, so this is huge for me. Uh, I mean, it feels great to be able to talk about it and, and share my perspective. And uh, so I really thank you guys and uh, definitely a, a really big thanks to everybody that uh, supported me through this. I mean, I have my friends writing me every day while I was in prison. My parents took on a lot. Um, they helped me out uh, big time. Um, my friends took my cats and dogs and watched my animals. Um, the support I had from my friends through this, and family, and um, even uh, other people in the industry when when I came back and I had this post on Instagram, people went nuts. They're like, "Oh my God, he's back!" That, I mean, the, it was funny. The first hour I was home, people are like, "Oh, what are you dropping next?" I'm like, "Bro, <laughs> could I sleep in a bed? Like, come on, yo, give me a minute. Could I sleep in a bed for once? I've been sleeping on the floor for a year." So, I mean, just thanks to everybody for the support. And thank you guys for letting me tell a part of my story and at least defend myself, because that, that that's not a good feeling when people are saying all this stuff about you. And to me, that's not the real story.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. And we Thank you, guys.